ways to build a deck in magic one of them is the abc deck building theory let's get into it shall we up on eternal girdles hello and welcome to eternal girdles i'm your host zach clark and with me as always phil blackman phil how is it going man dude it is delightful uh i am excited to talk about magic today i'm i'm on a, i'm on a dense losing streak uh and that's just because i'm like trying out a bunch of yeah. ideas you know we're you're out there brewing them. I'm, we're out there we're out here brewing we're, we're experimenting we're scientists and like uh it, it, it's it's a fun time when you are taking you're taking losses but you're learning from the losses and so they feel like they're actually meaningfully moving you forward and so i'm, I'm actually more excited to talk about that stuff than normal because i've been like running these sorts of experiments. Phil, I got a I got a couple questions for you before we get into the meat of the cast. One, are you wearing shorts today? I'm wearing shorts. Bro, it is really lovely. Now, it I, is really lovely. I got full leg here, man. Like I'm I'm wearing shorts today. I, I, I'm actually wearing I'm wearing uh, like workout joggers. I'm yeah. Wearing, so they so they're, but they are light. You know, it is nice. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. What a great day it is today. Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, we're recording on Thursday, so uh, just a wonderful day out. I took the dog for a good long walk. I'm, uh, oh, spring is here, guys. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're gonna get we're gonna be the the fittest, uh, the fittest. Oh God, you're gonna make podcast. me start working out. We're gonna we gotta work <laughs> out, bro. We gotta we gotta be. I think the, if the you just work out, we, we still will be the fittest Magic the Gathering podcast. <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna become we're gonna be the first Magic the Gathering bodybuilders. Is what we're gonna do. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So I, my second question for you is actually a series of questions. One, Phil, have you seen our? Uh, our uh, quizzes that we've been posting onto the uh, YouTube page, or that we, that I've been posting on the YouTube page yet? Not only have I been seeing them, but I also realized that I'm in the minority of a lot of these polls, or a lot yeah. of these questions. <laughs> so I, I want to pop up a couple of them real fast. This is like the last week of them, and then we're going to, I think we should just like th make this a segment at the beginning of every show, show what happened last week for these quizzes, because that's kind of fun. Uh, if you're not into that, you can skip to the time below here and uh and, and we'll start talking about the the topic at hand uh so uh who is the best maybe not your favorite praetor uh i i gave the options of elish norn jingataxius urbrask or someone cooler what did you say phil so in in my mind i i said someone cooler which actually is the majority <laughs> here but in yeah. my mind I, the, the first person that actually came to my mind was tez now I know Tezzeret's not a Praetor. No, no. But he was the right hand. He's been the right hand to every MTG baddie for like the last decade and a half. He's the dude, Boba Fett of Magic the Gathering, for sure. Dude, dude is somehow always just like advancing himself while all of these other people like topple around him. Bolas fell, the Praetors fell, but Tez, Tez continues. In my mind, that's 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 Praetor energy. Yeah. Alright, who's gonna be the next big bad in MTG now that the Frexians are out of the out of the picture? Will it be the Baron? Will it be Lindul, a necromancer? Will it be a flying spaghetti monster in the form of Emrakul? Or uh, will it be uh, Dragon Dad, uh, Nicol Bolas? I get why people put Emrakul, because Emrakul locked herself in the moon, right? right. Like, it, it's not like anybody did anything to her. She did it herself, right? As far as I know, I understand the story. I Emrakul, don't understand the story at all. I just assume it, that they locked her on the moon. I thought it was imprisoned on the moon. Did she imprison herself on the moon? Yes. The, oh, the story of wow. my understanding is that she imprisoned herself because of like another outside force, i.e. Uh, Phyrexians. Phyrexians. Yeah, you don't want to- Coming in and not wanting, not, not, not wanting to get involved in that. So okay. it, even though even though it was presented as though the the Gate Watch actually had some kind of agency there, they really didn't. So I can understand why everybody would want Emmer Cool back in. However, yeah. I think that something that flies extremely under the radar. I don't know if if Watsi's going to capitalize on it. But do you know how Nicol Bolas was locked in the prison realm? I I mean I you I know don't know how, how he was locked in. I just know he is in the prison realm. Okay. How? So to, in order to get from the the world that we're, the real world that they're that they're in, right? The world of the story to the prison realm, right? Narset had to part the veils between the two worlds. Narset okay. parted her veils in the world of the Spark story. But do you know who created the prison realm? Ashiok created the prison oh, realm. Oh, Ashiok, okay. She's the dream render. She rendered a okay. prison realm for them to put Bolas in. And then Ash, and then uh, Narset was the one who was able to like bridge the gap between them. So you're telling me 
that this like person who lives in like manipulating your unconscious and can create these sorts of places where you're just locked within your own self isn't going to be the next MTG baddie. Get out of here. I, I would have picked some, I would pick uh, Ashiok on, on okay. out of this list. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, next question was, uh, is the Phyrexian Menace gone for good? We've got never gone for good and grandma thing gear. I think it is never going to be. There's no way that they're going to end. Like, yes, this this battle may have been won, but there's no way they're they're just totally getting rid of their original bad guy. You know, they're not getting yeah. rid of the original villain at any point. There there can be, you know, uh oh, we didn't notice this drop of glistening oil that corrupted, you know, Yogmoth's great 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 grandchild, and you know, here we are again. The Phyrexians rise up with new characters, right? Like, how does any sequel happen? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that the Phyrexians are uh, beaten, but not gone forever. Uh, all right. And, and here's, next... the, here's the thing, man. Is 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 the was the Eldrazi menace defeated for good? Yeah. No, they exactly. didn't brought it back and just ruined Innistrad for a block, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, how do you feel about the Phyrexians losing so quickly? Uh, we have a planar party expected. Uh, they're coming back, and uh, I'm I'm depressed. Uh, I went with depressed. I thought that the, this could have been. I just felt like they didn't put up enough of a fight. Like everyone just rolled in and just beat the crap out of the Frexians. They didn't get one plane. They didn't win on one plane. Like no, one plane. They, get out of here. Didn't, didn't they win on a couple planes or no? Maybe they that did. Up. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, did, it certainly didn't feel like they did. Yeah, but uh, everybody dies. They they beat everybody. They everybody everybody loses. You know, honestly, I I, I was surprised that there wasn't uh, at least like because they Frexianized so many other characters like, you know, characters on planes, I thought there would at least be, like, the rumblings of, like, okay, they're defeated, they're now disorganized, now they're all over the multiverse instead of, uh, like, situated on New Phyrexia. Yeah. But that means that it, it, the threat is still pending for, like, down the line when, you know, oh, Eldraine actually is now infected because the elf noble or whatever has just been, like, courting suitors and Phyrexianizing them, and now it's an epidemic, and here we yeah. are again for uh... you know, when the next global pandemic hits. One more question. Be honest. What side are you really on? I'm bad, baby! Or goody two-shoes? Here's the thing, man. As as <laughs> My brand is angels. So even though I don't... I, I'm displeased with uh, Elspeth's Planeswalker as an archangel because it doesn't do anything that I actually want it to be doing, I, 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 I gotta side with the goody two-shoes here. I gotta, I gotta side with my brand. You know what I'm saying? You gotta of be course, a brand. You know? All right, and uh, so we're, we're going to do that every week with the things that I come up with here. We've been adding shorts. Uh, if you are a fan of me just rambling about magic for one minute, you get one minute a day of me just, like, spitting out my brain about uh, one or two cards. Some of those cards will uh, will be in the uh, rest of the set review that's coming up. But today, today, Phil, uh, in, in honor and celebration of us hitting 500 subscribers, so thank you everyone that has subscribed to the podcast. Thank you everyone who's liked, commented, uh, all that stuff. If you've liked or commented, do it again. That helps out so much. Uh, in honor of that, we wanted to talk about ABC deck building. A lot of people ask us about ABC deck building, and I think, uh, you know, this is it. This is the masterclass for ABC deck building. What do you say? You know, uh, so first off, yeah, thanks to everybody for getting us to 500. Our goal for the end of the year is 1,000 subscribers. So getting halfway there before the halfway mark of the year is means that we're, like, we're on trajectory, which which feels cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when people are reaching out for like a specific episode, like, hey, where's the go-to for a discussion of this kind of deck building theory? I was actually surprised we hadn't done one because we talk about it a lot we talk about it all I, the time right I, I just i didn't realize that we didn't have like a dedicated episode to like here's where it is here's why you should use it here's where it would be effective and helpful for for people so yeah i mean let, this is it let's 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 this talk about it. it so i i think i think one of the first things we should talk about is how there's not an there, there is an a b and a c to abc deck building but that's not i don't think that's how we want to approach the concept of ABC deck building, right? So I think we, we want to start off with what the theorem is, right? Like, let what's me, let the me best preface, way to describe the theorem? I, I, I want to preface this with, this, there is, this isn't the only way to build a deck. Everybody, this isn't the only way to build a deck, okay? There's, there, there are tons of ways that you can build decks. There are, like, this is not the only one. There's millions of ways you can tell a story. There, this, there's not only one way to do it. 
This is just one of the ways to do it. It's one that I've been using for a long time that has helped me come up with like a lot of brews and has helped me uh, inform my decision-making process across them. And particularly uh, as somebody who has been working on Miracles forever, as it feels like at this point, that it has helped me inform my decisions in that process of being able to maintain that archetype to any amount of playability in its present day, despite having gone through uh, iterations of bands. And then similarly, stuff that might be useful in that space, similar to like Delver going through a band, looking at we are with the meta right now. But yeah. let me just preface, for anybody who's like, oh, I don't agree with this, there are many, many ways to build decks. This is just one of them that we have conceived and sort of iterated upon. Okay, yeah. so the, the first thing, the, the theorem behind uh, ABC deck building is identifying what the legacy power level thing is to do, maximizing that, and then making sure that you, and then the the last tier of it is then making that as consistent as possible. Yeah. So uh, th that's the theorem. The theorem is really like identify the legacy power level thing to do, maximize it with an, with an enabler effectively, and then turn it through to make it consistent. So yeah. legacy power level thing, enabler, consistency. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, in, so, in, in, in its simplest terms. So uh, a great, I think a great way to, uh, sort of make this point more clear and have us uh, have everyone kind of understand uh how that works would be to take a deck that is well known in the format and sort of break down how that can be applied to abc deck building yeah i think one of the, the, the usually the decks that aren't combo decks right that are looking to end the game before you would need any additional piece uh so more often than not those are referred to as like a plus b combo decks right it's like your show and tell plus fatty, right? The game is supposed to end when that happens. So like yeah. needing to go beyond that isn't necessarily a useful faction. Uh, but for top decks, like right now, I think one of the top decks uh, is all the variations of Painter. And the I think the the deck naming conventions can actually be pretty confusing. I think deck, deck naming is often really misleading uh, in terms of how to approach uh, a deck and how to, to combat it or how to, to, to build around it. So... We, we might as well take Painter as an example because it, it does fall pretty pretty nicely into ABC uh, yeah. theory. We'll have a deck list for Painter below. But I think that one of the things to, that is the most difficult part about ABC deck building, if you're not doing it from scratch on a deck, right? If you're coming to, if you're looking at a metagame and analyzing decks that are part of that metagame and trying to identify what is the, the legacy power level thing to do, th that identifying that I think is the biggest hurdle because yeah. that is what... Uh, informs the rest of the deck building process and then can inform the axis on which those decks can compete. So for example, in, in my it is my point of view, I assume the position that all of the painter decks, red painter, blue painter, uh, even the, the, the eight cast variants of, of blue painter, they are all Urza Saga decks first. They yes. happen to have the painter combo in them, but the legacy power level thing to do is the card Urza Saga. And so looking at that as like, this is the, the reason to play the deck in Legacy before you look at any of the other stuff in the deck is Urza Saga. Urza Saga by itself is a Legacy power level thing to do. Okay, that's your plan A. Because you're playing Urza Saga, it makes sense that you'd want your B plan, which because you can tutor for the grindstone, it's, it's, it's uh, nice that Urza Saga kind of just lends itself to doing all of the things all the time for free, which is kind of why it's such a uh, why it's a pillar of the format yeah but because it, it because you're playing urza saga that means that you want your b grindstone i.e painter and then from there so like let's look at red painter from there you'd want your c because you're playing painter grindstone now you want the goblins package right yeah. so you, you're 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 playing of like oh like yes this all looks like it puts together like yes goblins want artifacts and urza saga wants artifacts and so it makes sense that they all go together but being able to look at it as a, a structure of I'm playing Urza Saga because it's the legacy power level thing to do. Therefore, I want the painter package. Therefore, I want the goblin package. That's uh, goblin welder and goblin engineer for those who are, are curious. Uh, that means that 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 threefold, that ABC deck gives you the axis that that deck can play on. Yeah. Right now, the tools within each of those axes, you know, will vary. Right. Like the goblins package 
because you have the goblins package that means that maybe you want your chaos defiler or your dragon engine or whatever and because you're playing the painter package that informs that you want some number of red blasts and because you're playing the urza saga package that means you want your shadow spear and you know your other bullets or whatever like those are uh, ancillary to the, the 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 structure of the deck right but it's like you're not playing shadow spear because you're playing the goblins right you're playing it because you're playing urza saga you're yeah. not playing red blasts because you're playing urza saga or because you're playing the goblins you're playing it because painter can make everything blue you know and then it just so happens that the format is predominantly blue so it's favorable but like you don't start there you get there because you you have it in your, in your thing so when you're looking at okay i want to i find that i win most of my games or i'm i'm soft in a lot of ways when i'm when i don't have the goblin package maybe your deck as you're playing it right now is situated where you are actually looking at the goblins as you're you're trying to build it so that the goblins is your plan a in which case you're leaning harder on tools that match your goblin package as opposed to your urza saga package yeah and this is and, and we can apply that similarly in the, in the blue version where the goblins are replaced by thai and emery and that is your that is your sort of your B plan from uh, from Urza Saga, right? Yeah, I, it's interesting because like I think that the the way that the deck shift is like yes, the Emery is sort of filling the same role as the Goblins in terms of the build uh, because the A and B are the same, right? You're playing Urza Saga, therefore you want Painter, at least in the blue Painter versions. Yeah, and so therefore you want Emery. Emery itself is uh, is its own engine, which is why like if you ever play against Painter, any of these versions they're foundationally really sound, right? Urza Saga does so much work in making sure that the rest of the deck is sound. Like, Red Painter existed before Urza Saga, right? It did. It, it, it was goblins, and then you would you would play your Imperial Recruiters to get your goblins or get your Painter. And the, the thing is, is like, it feels like that deck isn't as strong without Urza Saga, and it's because it wasn't. It had one less axis that it was competing on. It didn't have the Urza Saga beatdown axis, it had the combo axis and then tutor yeah. for the combo axis. And then it had like the incidental beats of like, I can Imperial recruiter for Imperial recruiter for Imperial recruiter. But that's like obviously way worse, right? Like that's yeah. not really a reliable plan that you can build part of your deck around. You but they also but, played Blood Moon and Magus of the Moon uh, at times to to just lock you know uh, more greedy decks out of the, out of the game too. And and that's the thing, those, those being able to cheese people that that understanding this sort of deck building theory also lets you identify which part of the deck when something like Urza Saga comes along to get rid of. In this case, it's really yeah. easy. You got rid of your Blood Moons, but- yeah. It's funny because that was the A plan for that deck for so long and then it became the C plan and now it's not even in the plan anymore. You know, I, I, honestly, I, I, would, I would argue that it wasn't even in the plan at all. It was just filler. Yeah. Because the deck, the, the, the plan A of the deck is it wanted the painter combo. And so it wanted the painter combo, therefore it played Imperial Recruiter and Goblin Welder. And then it had nothing else going for it there, right? Like maybe you would see some people trying to dip into like playing uh, Sundering Titan or like some other fatty and playing, you know, Faithless Looting and Discard stuff because they they were leaning, they were trying to leverage getting a C plan outside of the combo. But because the deck didn't really have it, right? It, it didn't have that third pillar. It was much easier to attack because you could be like, all right, well, I'm just going to play no rod. I'm going to shut off the painter combo, which also then turns off the goblin combo, the goblin part of the deck, unless they have something that can pivot around it, like moving into something like Sundering Titan or, or, or some other effect. So they just played Blood Moon as another means to like combat opposing strategies, but it didn't work within their deck beyond cheesing people, right? So it's not like it, it helped either side of the deck. And so you could have the draws where you're like, well, I have painter and a Blood Moon, and now my deck doesn't do anything this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, so let's like, talk you... about let's talk about this a plan, and I want to I want to kind of use uh, legacy decks as an example. So if we're looking at like the top you know the top decks from uh, from the format right now on MTG Goldfish, right? Uh, it, it, let's let's just start with like I think the number one deck right now is is Reanimator. The a plan there is Reanimator. So right? yeah, so I'll say that like it for like really fast combo decks, I think it is less. The, the, the way that I would look at a combo deck like Reanimator or Storm or any of these decks that aren't looking to really go for the game to go past a couple turns, they aren't ABC in the same way of like, they want to fight on different axes yeah. main board because they don't need to. The game is ending way too fast. Uh, like you'll see that they, they sort of fill this out in their 75, 
right? So like Blue Reanimator, historically, it's like, okay, your turn one is you're like, yes, obviously reanimation spells are a powerful ability. I want to play these reanimation spells. Therefore, I want the powerful fatties. Therefore, what's your third thing? Main board, you don't really need the third thing because the game ends when you do the first thing and yeah. you're optimized to do the first thing. But if you look at the 75 for like a blueback reanimator, when they move into show and tell, that's where they're going on their C plan, right? It's like, yeah. I want the reanimator effects. Therefore, I want Grizzlebrand and Atraxa. And then once they know that you have the hate to stop that axis, which you otherwise shouldn't have main board, they fill out the ABC by moving into show and tell, right? I, I want the reanimator effects. Therefore, I want the fatties. Therefore, I want show and tell. Okay, so so we've got that going for the, the combo style decks. But let's talk about a deck like you know, we, we recently had a, an episode that a lot of people watched that was about the Toxic Infect deck. And I think that's a perfect example of building a deck using the ABC format because your A plan is, is Infect, right? You want to cast Invigorate Berserk on a uh, creature that is a 5-5, make it a 10-10, and kill your opponent with with an, uh, with a uh, Infect creature, right? The, the B plan was uh, using Venerated Rot Priest to... Uh, add additional uh points of infect to to your opponent so that as a, yeah as a simple example to think of of infect and how rot priest looks like it opens up uh it opens up another axis of attack for a deck that like that i i should probably highlight that as a way to convey the the use of why it's abc is that it's three different axes that your that you your deck can operate on, yeah, and therefore those are the axes that your opponent would need to fight over. And being able to maneuver between the axes is how you can like maneuver between roles. It also informs sideboard deck uh, choices of how to like shut down those certain axes. So for infect, it's like yes, I want to win through infect, which means that you need to win through combat, which means that you either you need evasion or things that offer evasion in the forms of like. Um, the, the blue infect guy that can't be blocked or uh, ink moth messick that, that can fly. Glistener elf just costs one because it's the most efficient, but otherwise it's lagging in that. But otherwise you're using things that to like help push through. So you want your trample or whatever. But for venerated rap priest, which lets you do it outside of combat, that's where in that deck, when we were looking at venerated rap priest as a, as a new way to build infect, it's because you're like, okay, yes, I want infects. So you're playing the infect creatures and you're playing the pump spells. But Venerated Rot Priest is a plan B, letting you go, okay, now I just want stuff that targets outside of combat. And that's where we move towards things like Giga Drops, because you want things that can multiple target. So, yeah. but that, that, but then it- That's it, where Bounty it, the Hunt came into play, you know, where, where it fills both roles, you know? Yeah, now this is, this isn't to say that like you, if you build and if you build the deck through ABC deck building that it will make it so that your deck is viable. That's different. I've yes, been playing true. Miracles since the, I've been playing Miracles <laughs> since the top hand trying to fill the, the B void that has been lost since Sensei's Divining Top. Yeah. When we had top, Miracles was definitely tier one, right? I wouldn't put Miracles anywhere near tier one right now, but it, it still- Not in the top the 15 decks, Phil. But it can still follow the same suite of ABC deck building without, yeah, of course. Like, so, so, so like the theory is still there, the, the concept is still there and it can work towards advancing the deck in a way that is 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 measurable because that that's the one thing to, that is really useful about this deck building theory or any other deck building theory is that when you're trying cards out, those tests mean nothing if they aren't measurable. Yeah. If you can't, if, if you can't actually catalog it and measure it compared to anything else that you've done, which is also why it's like when you make changes to your deck, if you change so much of your deck and not know what is the what was the change that made the difference for better or for worse, or what was the how are you supposed to pilot the deck, right? Yeah, if well, you know, I mean, before we go too too far into that point, I want to I want to I want to uh, preface all that with with I think the most important part of of Legacy and 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 Magic the Gathering period is like that Sun Tzu quote is like know yourself know your enemy so if you know your deck right as well as you can that's going to be the first step right i yes and that's also where it's it's very helpful if for you piloting your own deck but it's also helpful when attacking an opposing deck because know your enemy. So, so 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 going going back to the to the painter thing to the the structure of painter yeah. painter is exceptional right now because it is so in my mind because it is so stable along all three axes of ABC and all of the axes are potent enough to win games. Yeah. Like you can win games through the goblin package and recurring engines out of your yard. You can win the game with the painter combo. 
Urza Saga wins games by itself. Every single one of those axes are all viably good. Like they're all like strong. Like you could theoretically move each of them around along along the ABC, and that that would just determine like some other card choices within your deck, right? Yeah, I guess like, I guess that's interesting because you can kind of think of the ABC deck plan as like a tier of of plans, right? And the closer all those tiers are to each other, the more consistent the deck is, right? The more consistent the deck is, but it also informs, like, if you open your hand, right? Let's say you open your hand and you've got a goblin, uh, you've got a goblin, a painter, and an Urza Saga all in it with, with, with the requisite mana to be able to cast the goblin. How are you supposed to, what are you supposed to lead on, right? If you're in the blind, what are you supposed to lead on? And that's where you go, how did, how did I, did I construct my deck with the A plan? What is my A plan that I, like, to think like the legacy power level thing to do, that's, that's the thing where you're like, in the blind, the first three to four turns of every game that I play, I want to execute this. That can change, right? Like you could build a painter yeah. deck where you go, I want to, I want to combo them with painter in the first three to four turns, every game in the dark. That's my plan going in. Or my plan is I want to pressure them with constructs and then backdoor the painter plan, right? Yeah. That could also be a way of, you could also lead with, I want to build, I want to build the engine with the goblins going, waste, waste their resources and grind them out and then beat them down with constructs in the aftermath or backdoor into the, into the painter plan. All of those are viable, but all of those suggest how you're supposed to navigate the early portion of the game. Now that can change, but if you're in the dark, Knowing how you built your deck to optimize which of those is the one that you actually want to do then means when you're thinking, how am I supposed to navigate this opening hand that is really flush with a lot of options? What am I supposed to do here? Yeah. And you, I, if you're like, yeah. I have I have a question about about this too, is is how does like the transformative sideboard fit into this scenario too? Because like, is that a D plan? You know, like for, for example, uh, I used to play Trinity Nemesis in my Infect deck as, as like a backup plan where like if I just knew my opponent was running removal.deck, I could just be like, I'll throw, the, so, throw in a few true names and see what happens. So I, 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 I appreciate this question. I think that this is, this is where like using, a, uh, using an understanding of this kind of theory in your deck building not only can inform transformative uh, sideboards, but the, the reason for doing so beyond just like, oh, my opponent might have some stuff. So I think yeah. I, I think transformative sideboards are not within the, the theory necessarily, right? Like yeah. when I look at I show agree. and tell out yeah. of Reanimator, show and tell out of Reanimator fits a plan. It, f it fulfills the rest of the structure that they don't need to like. When when we're looking at like that sort of painter hand, you're looking at a hand that the game could end in the first three turns, right? I could establish the combo and kill you if you don't interact with me, but I could also go long. I could grind. Yeah. Whereas Reanimator's like I'm putting a fatty in no matter what game one. I don't have a plan C. The axis I'm going with is I'm putting a fatty into play. And if I'm not putting a fatty into play, I'm just not doing anything this game, right? That's how the deck is constructed to be built. It's assuming that my opponent doesn't have the requisite interaction to fight on this axis to begin with. And therefore it is eschewing the need for a, a secondary plan. The way that any of the, any mid-range deck or, or wide painter so good, or uh, the way that Delver can pivot around different uh, positions. Like it doesn't need to do that because the game ends. Right, like uh, Storm doesn't need to do that because the game ends. Now combos are a different thing. Combo has a different set yeah. of axes that it can fight on. But I like, mean, I mean, the, the difference in, in that would be like back in the day when you played a combo deck like like Tricks, for instance, uh, but you also threw Frexing uh, Negator into your deck to like beat combo decks, right? Like or to beat yeah. control decks. So you were like, my A plan is donating Tricks to my opponent. My B plan is casting a five mana uh, creature, or sorry, a five five on the first turn, and my C plan is is lose. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I, I would think about it like this: if I was trying to attack uh, Painter, right? I'm mm -hmm. playing a deck, and I would the, the reason that Painter is so strong is because all three axes don't necessarily overlap with each other. So if I want to, if, if if I'm thinking, oh, I want to shut down Painter, let me play Null Rod. Well, no rod does not stop uh, construct beatdown. No rod does not stop goblins chaos defiling you, right? At the same time, if you're like, okay, well, I want to shut off the Urza Saga, so I'm going to play uh, Blood Moons, or I'm going to play, uh, you know, Alpine Moons, or or some way to shut down the Urza Saga. It's like, great, doesn't stop Painter, doesn't stop the goblins, right? It's like, 
what are the, the, the having so few options that can fight on multiple different on on two at least two out of three of those axes means that it's so hard to board against them and if you and if you as the painter player see that they boarded in or are playing one of the things that operates well against you on one axis you just move to another one which is that that kind of versatility within your deck and why having that kind of structure and knowing how to navigate those plans makes it easier to navigate around those sorts of uh opponents hate uh think about like the way that a storm pilot it's like if uh like if you are thinking okay i want to stop storm there are certain ways that they like classic storm would be like okay i have uh natural tendrils i can chain tutor or i can add nauseam right or i can past in flames line and if you play a rest in peace and shut down the past in flames line they can still win the game but the axis of the past in flames line is now cut off. So that means that the only axis that we're fighting on now is a natural tutor chain or a nauseum, right? So it's yeah. like, okay, if I can shut down, if I'm shutting down that one axis by getting rid of the graveyard with a ley line of the void or whatever, then the rest of my hate to combat them should be fighting over that side, which means that I need to either stop them from being able to get mana, or I would need to, which is like stopping their LEDs, stopping the, the dark rituals. With, so that would be like no rods, fluster storms, whatever. Cause that like, I want to stop that axis and pigeonhole them having to go down one, because once they're pigeonholed to go down one axis, they have to put all of their cantrips into getting them into that one axis. It just narrows their, their ways that they can win the game. So if, when you're playing against painter, it's like, it, it feels tough to beat that deck because a no rod doesn't only shuts down one side and then they have two other potent plans. So you, it's like, well, now I need a no rod. I need a blood moon. I need a, 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 I need, you know, fucking curse totem shit. Like, you know, you know, like you, you sometimes have to reach into like stuff that seems nonsensical, but it makes way more sense when you're thinking one of their axis is activating goblins, like goblin activations. How do I shut down activations of creatures? If that's the axis I need to shut down. And that informs you looking towards that type of thing. And then you look at the meta at large and go, okay, what other decks have uh, uh, abilities similar to goblins, activated abilities, creatures, and then what are the cards that shut that shit down, right? Yeah. I want, I want wrath effects. I want, uh, you know, is it static caster to shoot down the goblin? Whatever, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it's like that. That go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, if if uh, if you're watching this or listening to this and you're getting value out of it, this is a great time to 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 hit the like button to to just prove that we're we're doing a good job on on this, uh, and and commenting below about about what your thoughts are. On, on ABC deck building as well. Um, he, he, but, the, but yeah, please continue. Well, I was going to say that this is understanding this sort of deck building theory, it, it, being able to articulate why you make the choices that you make at certain positions in a game where it's like, well, you could have done this or you could have done that. If somebody goes, why did you do this? If you're thinking to yourself, well, in the role, I thought the best axis that I had to win was doing the B plan of my strategy, right? It's I, I think about it when I was watching... Um, you know, I'd watch streams and I'd watch people play four color control, like like pre-ban, right? So it's like uh, uh, expressive iteration, Uro, mince control. Yeah. And trying to think like, okay, you have options, right? You can either recast Uro, you can play Minsk. Which, which, what's the better way to go here? Are you looking to grind or are you looking to close the door, right? Uh, identifying that, given how the matchup plays out and what their sideboard is likely to be in terms of how they, they stop you, it, it is similar as to why Caracas was such a good sideboard card or hate card against four color control, right? Because one of their plans was Uro. One of their plans was Minsk. Yeah. Both plans or are shut down by Caracas. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but the, the reason that that deck struggled and then that deck co felt compelled to play like the Lone Wasteland package because yeah. it had to solve a problem that it was it, facing. Yeah, exactly. It had to, it had but, to like, be ready for 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 a decks, that, decks that were playing Wasteland, but it also had to be aware of the fact that like they're going to like there's a card that just shuts them down completely they can't they not that they can't win but it's very very grindy if they don't deal with that but it's also an example of that deck at any point when caracas was constantly just like making their lives miserable at any point they could have moved away from either one of those things yeah right they like minsk is the most powerful planeswalker but there are plenty of four drop planeswalkers that that deck could have played with, with that kind of mana Particularly given that if it wanted to stretch its colors, it wouldn't need to play the two wastelands and you know uh, requisite colors otherwise, right? Because the 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 main part of that plan was I'm I'm looking to one for one card you, right? I have this white removal and expressive iteration, so I I want to one for one you into the ground. Therefore, I want Uro because Uro bears you when we're one for oneing, 
And then at the top end, I need to be able to close the door fast. I want mints, like it, it comes together if like depending on which axis that you want to play on. But Karaka shut down two of them. And so yeah. then they were like, well, I don't want to leave the axis. I'm going to move into Wasteland Loam. It's like at any point it, they could have made, they, they could have embarrassed the Caracas players by being like, okay, nice Caracas, dude. I just won't play Uro. I'm going to slam my, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I say Jace the Mind Sculptor, but literally any other big four drop threat that like can close the game fast. Yeah. You, know, is, you could you know, play way, Gideon if you wanted to. Yeah, it, you, I mean, you could win with a ham sandwich once you have, once you have something on the board that can win, right? Like, well, you, it, it's it, just it, it, choosing, that example is that condition that doesn't that doesn't lose to Caracas at that point. That example is like the the reason why it never like four color control was a good deck, but it never felt like it was an unbeatable deck, yeah. right? Because there were a lot of there were hate cards that crossed over multiple parts of its of its pillars that that make the deck, right? That's Caracas why I'm so surprised that Reanimator is doing so good right now because that's a deck that like everybody everybody has hate for. And I feel like, like, I know I always say this, if you just like turn the Eye of Sauron onto like Reanimator, the deck fizzles, right? Well, it, and it depends on how hard people are going on it. It depends on how hard that they're going onto one axis because post board, like here's the thing, right? That deck is very, like the better that that deck gets a its, its additional pillar out of show and tell post board, it's already going to be favored. All those combo decks are favored game one, right? It's similar to like how Doomsday is always favored game one. It's because they're focused on doing one thing, regardless of what you're doing across the table, right? It's yeah. like, all I need to do is this one thing and I'm guaranteed to win. If I put Grizzlebrand into play in the first two turns, I'm guaranteed to win. So as long as I can do that, I can put every other facet of my deck on fulfilling that plan, the legacy power level thing to do. When I do the legacy power level thing to do, I win no matter what. Where it's like, for Painter, if you play an Urza Saga as your legacy power level thing to do, it's you are going to win a lot of games, but it's not a de facto, it's not a, a an auto de facto win the same way that putting a Grizzlebrand into play is, right? Like they, they are at different levels. And yeah. so you know the, the deck No, go on. I was I was just gonna say that like one once you move into so it's like if you're favored to win game one, reanimator being really consistent and and uh, as a potent deck or a potent strategy is once they move into post board, you can't just board for them off of their A plan. You now yeah. have to board for their A and their C plan. Now, yeah. that means that like you have to be able to combat both something fighting out of the graveyard and something like show and tell putting it on like on the stack. All of that stuff is to say that like stuff like Flusterstorm is good, but they have access to things like Anime Dead that don't care about Flusterstorm. Exactly. So yeah. in informing your choices around like those types of things. However, Reanimator should still be easy in that like or, or, or easier in that they have two plans afterwards, right? Like their 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 B plan of of I I want reanimation spells therefore I want fatties therefore I want show and tell the fatties they aren't doing anything by themselves right like if you get to the space where they're hard casting a fatty good on you you're probably yeah I mean that's game, you yeah know what I mean? that's too late you know what I mean <laughs> like it, it doesn't do it the way that like I want Urza Saga therefore I want the painter combo it's like well you can do the painter combo without Urza Saga right like yeah. you don't need it, it, it definitely boons it but you don't need it. I think an interesting part of the of the current reanimator package now is that there is sort of a B. It's not it's not not reanimating stuff. But it, it but the B plan is like cast grief and then reanimate grief and just try and get in with grief as much as you can. Sort of like a Delver kind of package where you're like protecting the queen. Yeah, that I, I, that that feel like from from this standpoint of like how you're going in. Like I unless you, unless they the player is going in thinking. I want to play grief and reanimate it, and that's my plan. Yeah. If that's not, like, they have to be going in as that's the plan, and then trying to support that plan. Yeah. And then what what would that mean then? Okay. Well, if if there are two, if they if they somehow get two creatures on the board, your three two sucks. You know, like it, you you'd have to maneuver your deck, which is why it's like, I'm when when an, a reanimator opponent griefs reanimate griefs me and mind mind twists me, and then like is just beating me down with a three two, and then we're in a top deck war. I'm never thinking like it's something that their deck can do, yeah. but it's not what their deck's trying to do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not building my sideboard plan out, trying to combat them over something their deck can do incidentally. I'm trying yeah. to stop the thing that they are trying to do, that they have built their deck to do. I want to stop their intent, not the possibilities of things that are incidental. Well, okay, so so with that in mind, uh, and and that sort of play play pattern in mind. One of the things I wanted to uh, like kind of highlight is is remember what, back when I was playing the uh, Bug Death Shadow deck, 
the obvious A plan of that deck is get Death Shadow out, attack, right? Um, but there is like a weird like Delver of Secrets, Stifle Wasteland uh, package in there, but there's also the Berserk and uh, and Reanimate packages in there. So that deck has a lot of different angles you can play on, but they all kind of go with the exact same thing. You want to get your life total low and attack with a giant Berserked uh, Death Shadow, you know? So it, it, it's interesting because that is an example of where you could move those pillars around and that would inform how you would want to navigate your plan. Yeah, so like, and, and reanimating a, a uh, sorry, reanimating a uh, Street Wraith is not the best play in the deck, but it does inform getting your life total much lower faster to play a uh, to play a Death Shadow a little bit earlier. So an example of how the, how ABC deck building would inform Death Shadow, uh, and this is why I'm saying like there isn't one way to do it right like yeah. you could absolutely build your decks with uh, any other theory that is is different from abc but for abc if you're saying my plan a is death shadow i want to do death shadow no matter what that would mean that I, like if that was the plan a then my b would be doing things that way more aggressively limit get my life total down yeah. you know what i mean like beyond the incidental stuff, like force beyond thought sees and yeah, beyond thought sees. I, 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 I would be, I, I would want to like, I'd be trying to like suicide black myself, you know? Yeah. Like the, to, to get me to get me low because I'm I'm trying to to get to get you dead. Where if similar to like Delver, if you're like I want to disrupt my opponent, and I feel like instead of uh, like instead of like. If you were to look at like classic Delver where you're like stifle, you know, I want to play like Days Wasteland Stifle as like my mana denial package, and therefore I want cheap threats that can like operate on a single mana, and therefore it's like if you were looking at Death Shadow, if you were thinking to yourself, well, I don't think that mana denial with stifle is actually the best way to optimize Days Wasteland, right? Like if Days Wasteland is as a means of destruction is the legacy power level thing to do, right? Like if I stymie my opponent's mana, if I'm a, if I mana denial. That also, then, if you go and think, well, if if I were to incorporate Thoughtseize into that denial, and then therefore I want Death Shadow, and then therefore I want Berserk Dress Down, right? Yeah. That's so like you in 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 if I were looking at Death Shadow from ABC, I would be looking at the Legacy Power Level thing to do is Days Wasteland Shell, right? Correct. And, yeah. and by by Days Wastelanding. Thoughtseize fits into that in a way that is different from Stifle. Stifle is exacerbating that shell, right? Where Thoughtseize is pigeonholing it. For example, if I Thoughtseize my opponent and I see that they have a three drop in their hand, I'm not. I'm going to leave them with the three drop because my plan is to deny them mana and then they're not going to be able to get to that point or yeah. they're going to get to that point and then days will be able to clean it up, right? Like I'm going to navigate them down the path that my plan A is going to be optimized. And then that plan A is getting me to Death Shadow because I'm doing, I'm, I, I am way more efficient through the use of Thoughtseize and Street Wraith or whatever. Um, and, but you, but you see like the, I, I'm shifting from where you're thinking Death Shadow is my plan A. And if Death Shadow is my plan A, I'd be going, I want Death Shadow, therefore I want fucking Sylvan Library. You know, because yeah. I want I, I, mean, I want to eat myself. Yeah. I yeah, want to yeah. eat myself every turn to get me low enough to make sure that I can do my death shadow on turn two or three every single game in the dark, right? Yeah, like that's my plan A. I want to do it, therefore I need the means to do it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking everything to get my life total below thirteen. I'm gonna aggressively shock fetch or whatever to to get it down. That's what you're trying to do. You're like yeah. I have identified that this is the legacy power level thing to do. But if the deck, if the if the room is full of swords to plowshares and fucking uh, prismatic uh, ending is another problem. And, and solitude you know? and prismatic and solitude, ending. Yeah. It's like it's like okay, Death Shadow may not be the best plan A, but it could be a solid plan B, right? Like yeah. you you can deny your opponents off of white mana it, potentially in some meta games, right? If you're, if the room is full of four color and you're like okay, I'm just gonna deny them white mana and I'm gonna navigate into position to get them out of white mana and then I'm gonna sneak this in and kill them, like that's way more potent of of, of identifying how to build your deck into a given meta using ABC theory than, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, yeah, but exactly. that's what I mean no, where it's like, 100%. you and I can both look at Death Shadow and it's like, you're thinking, I want Death Shadow to be the thing I'm doing every time. 
Well, that's going to inform your decisions way differently than if I'm looking at Days Wasteland as my as my plan A and then Death Shadow as the plan B, as opposed to like, you know, Delver DRC or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? And well, I think that's being, that's kind of a, a, a good a good place to to like end it is like we we now understand like what the A, B, and C of A, B, and C deck building is. We understand how to implement it and we've seen it in decks that we we know we know about and some other decks that we we've sort of theory crafted as well. Yeah, it is essentially identify the legacy power level thing to do, understand which of the axes that that enables the rest of your deck to build around. Like it, it informs how you play your deck. It informs how your opponent is supposed to contend against your deck. And it yeah. also lets you know that when you see things out of the sideboard of your opponent, you can see what axis they're prepared for. So if you go into game two and they have boarded in something that shut you down because you weren't expecting it, you can go into game three changing your sideboard around being like i want to maximize my c plan because they're yeah. very well prepared for my a plan i want to max or, or vice versa or whatever you know like it lets you in the moment be able to make more informed decisions about how to navigate your role in a matchup based on the tools that you're seeing because you've identified what are the things that this axis cares about does my opponent have that or not great i'm going to exploit them on this axis or i'm going to move around that axis and then similarly if you're thinking to yourself well the, this deck this strategy that i have doesn't really have a way for me to maneuver across three pillars, right? When you were talking about transformational sideboards, Infect doesn't really have, did, didn't have the means to be like, well, my plan A is Infect, therefore I want pump spells. It doesn't really leave much room yeah, that's for much it. else in that space, right? Like, <laughs> that was, I, I, that I, was, the, that was that, the game that, plan back That kind of yeah. was the thing. And so it's yeah. like, if people knew not to fight with me in combat and then we spent resources, it's like either I can outgrind them and try to continue forcing my plan A into the ground until I get them, Hopefully the metagame is well situated for that, or I can just transform, which means that I'm looking at a whole different axis and I'm built, I'm, I'm transforming my deck to now play along that axis, a, a different legacy power level thing to do, right? Like in my mind, a transform of transformational sideboard should be a new plan A. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm just shifting, I'm transforming my deck. That is why it's transformational. I'm transforming to a new plan A that I want to execute every time I transform, right? Yeah. It, well, I'm, is... I think I think the thing I'm coming to terms with with ABC deck building is it's not so much about it, well, it is very much about deck building, but it's also more of a philosophy of play as well. And I think that and I think that is is one of the main differences between like what we mean and what we and what, I, what you hear when we say one hundred percent. If that if that's a a better way to like articulate how to convey this sort of I, this idea, this deck building philosophy is yes it's it's not necessarily going to make it so that any deck can work under this structure it is letting you know whether or not it can yeah, yeah. like it, it, it being a philosophy is is uh, probably a, a more succinct way to like actually put it up as opposed to like a a, a way to build decks it, it's yeah that i i hope that that you use determine you being able to articulate that as a philosophy is, is helpful for, for people listening yeah. that uh and it also lets you know like when you are making those decisions, when you are looking like, okay, I want to solve this problem, you're looking, what axis of my deck is this an issue for, right? Like, I want to solve a problem. Well, what is that problem causing you? Why is it fucking you up? Is it, what part of your deck is it stopping? Because if you want to solve that problem, then you want to, you're looking to bolster that side. It's like, my opponents keep playing shit that turns off my Urza Sagas. Yeah. I need to solve the problem for that. It's like, now you're making choices to bolster your plan A or however you want, or bolster your plan B, however you want to situate it in your deck. But like making that decision, making that sort of idea to inform that choice and then putting it through the process of playtesting it to determine whether or not that's a successful uh, a, a successful choice, a successful card to play to do the goal of I want to bolster this plan, whether it does or it doesn't, that's a measurable progress that you can then go, okay, either this works or it doesn't. And now I want to either continue that plan or move away from it. And that informs your deck. Yeah. Right. That informs your, your deck choice, your deck plan. Yes. Well, one of the one of the wonderful things about this this uh, philosophy is that it's it's not just a legacy thing. It can be used in any. It can be used in draft, even you know, technically. Uh, but uh, it, it, I, 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 I think that... so. Yeah, I I, I, I would say like in those types of, in in draft it'll be a little bit more. It's 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 a little bit more. Um... Like it it, it's not as archetype has that. Has well, that it, it, it's like it's right? not as precise, right? It's not, yeah. it's not definitively as precise. But let's say in your pack one, pick one, 
you open a card, right? And you're like, oh, this is this is powerful. <clears throat> I want to play this. If you think to yourself, going in for the rest of the picks until something changes, this is my plan A. The thing yeah. I want to do every single game. And where in, in Legacy, when you can optimize and you can be like, I want it to happen in the first two to three turns, right? Because they're like, my deck is optimized to do a thing. Whereas in draft, it's like, it may be a five drop bomb, but it yeah. may be that I want to do everything I can to ensure that I can hit five mana and slam this because that's my plan A, right? Yeah. And so everything, so therefore I want more removal because I want to slow the game down. I want to, you know, like, as opposed to taking another bomb, like it might be better because you're like, I need to optimize my plan A. And then if you see something along the, the, the sack outlets or whatever, and you're like, oh, this is really good. I could shift into this if the game gets really fast. I could board mm -hmm. into be a little bit more aggressive. Like, yeah, the, the philosophy is still there. So homework for, for anybody still listening, um, down below in the comments, comment on what your what your deck is and uh, how it, how you can apply ABC deck building. I'll be in the comments. You know I answer, I, I react and answer to every comment. So uh, go ahead and do that and we'll, we'll talk about it in the comments. As always, you can hit us up in the Discord. Uh, that link is below. We're there all the time. Uh, honestly, we're there all the time talking about ABC yeah. deck building as well. And, yeah, uh, I, I, I was just yeah. saying, I have people People do reach out on the Discord, like feel free to, like ha happy to help out, like yeah. help uh, identify these ideas for people. Uh, w one of the things to, to note is when people, when you are talking about ABC deck building with other people and like trying to solve a problem, anytime you are like, have you, like uh, somebody goes, have you considered this card? Have you tried this card? I, the, like ideally you would be able to look at that card identify which part of the deck you are thinking that this person is suggesting that you bolster like why would i want this card it's like oh well i would want it because it supports this plan and then if you go i understand i'm trying to optimize the 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 plan a of the deck which is this so this card that you're suggesting is good if i was trying to do that but i'm not trying to do that i'm trying to solve this problem Right, so it, it helps you guys. It helps everybody get on the same. Yeah, it helps you communicate. Uh, yeah, it helps us communicate what we're trying to do. Right, you saying I want to do Death Shadow every turn, every game, and I'm thinking, well, have you considered Sylvan Library? And you're like, well, why would I want Sylvan Library? That slows the game down. I'm looking to get him dead, and, then, and I'm thinking it's like, no, it's going to get you so you can pay eight every time. Right, but we at that point we were talking on. You were thinking of a plan A, and I was not. Right. Yeah. Or vice versa. You know what I mean. But it's like if we can both identify that as a means to communicate with each other and articulate our ideas, that can be helpful because then we can put more brain power towards trying to solve the same deck. You know. Exactly. If, if it's not immediately apparent, right? Like like the 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 painter deck sort of kind of build like Urza Saga kind of informs painter, which informs goblins, right? Like it's it's way more natural for yeah. like that sort of thing to happen. But it's uh you can you really can apply it to pretty much any deck. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the format so all right well that does it for us this week uh please remember to like subscribe share uh share especially this episode this is a great episode to share with people um yeah that does it for the for this week uh we want to thank everybody for getting us to 500 this is sort of a bonus episode for getting us to 500 uh and uh yeah that's it have a good one everybody have a great week